Welcome to the Builders of Jerusalem podcast, a show that talks with the top makers, shakers, and dreamers of Jerusalem, all working together to drive the city forward as a capital of tech and innovation. A pleasure to be joined today by Adnan Jabbar, the founder of Yala Riada, right? Right. Um, he's also a social activist, peace activist, um, does great work um, in East Jerusalem. Welcome. Thank you so much. So tell us about yourself. Tell us what you do. For those who don't know who you are, um, what is your company? What are you, what are you all about? Um, sure. Uh, like he said, Adnan Jaber. I'm born and raised in East Jerusalem, Shafat neighborhood. My father sells electronics. He has a shop in East Jerusalem. So I was a very lucky kid to play with the newest PlayStation games. <laughs> <laughs> that led me to study technology in the university. I studied one year in the States three years in Jenin in the West Bank, and one year in Kibbutz Turan, and a lot of online learning. So I've <laughs> lived different places. <laughs> um, today I live with my life partner in Talbiya neighborhood. Uh, two years ago, I founded my startup Yalla Riyada, which means Yalla Sports. It's a platform for online fitness personal training. It's a software I sell for personal trainers. Um, and I am a board member at Tech to Peace organization, which brings Palestinians and Israelis ages 20 to 30 to learn to learn tech skills together and dialogue with each other over seminars. Um, and just recently, <laughs> I have founded the Peace Tech Forum, um, an umbrella for um, about 10 to 15 peace building and tech teaching organizations uh, in Israel and Palestine. Amazing. Um, so uh, where should where should we begin? So let's talk. Let's start first about your entrepreneurial endeavors. Sure. So you have your so you have your company. So, so when did you when did you start it? Um, about two years and a half. And that came from you saw you saw what you saw a, a need in the space or. Yes, actually, my friend Muhammad Masalha, from school, he came to me, and he told me about the problem that he saw in the gyms. He saw a lot of people going to the gyms not knowing how to exercise making mistakes, hurting their muscles mm -hmm. on the machines, and many people not finding the motivation to exercise. And he knew that I love technology, I love entrepreneurship, I was always posting about it, and that I love sports. So he knew that I'm the perfect person to mm -hmm. come and talk to regarding this. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I, I believed in him, I believed in the idea, and the third co-founder, Rajai, and then we started the, the startup. So where, so where are you guys at today? Um, everyone is working from home. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we meet in co-working spaces when we need. But so you you have you have a product that's out in the public or? Yeah, yeah the product is uh, in the market. And it's 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 mainly focused customers here, or where 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 are the customers? Yeah, we launched the product a month and a half ago. Oh wow! Um, we have seventeen trainers uh, using our platform from Jerusalem, Ramallah. Um uh, Fahim and one person from Saudi Arabia. Okay, nice. <laughs> it's uh, it's just seventeen. We're just starting, but uh, let's see. So it's so it's like more in pilot stage right now, or um, I think I think we're in the market stage right now. We need to grow the market right now. Great. Well, best of luck with that. That sounds really so awesome. Much. So so how did you? So let's go to like your piecework. So how did you get involved? I guess did you start with tech? For peace, or was was that your first intro into this space? Yeah. Or I'll tell you the story. So, born and raised in East Jerusalem, right? Mm -hmm. In the school, I studied Arabic, English, Islam, math, but unfortunately, not Hebrew. 
Interesting. So I always had this barrier between me and the west side of the city, you know, the Israelis even, the, the Jew. I, I never interacted or knew how to interact because of the language barrier. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the political barrier and what you see on the news, especially if you just see one part of the news. So this was this w- invisible wall was there. Mm-hmm. And I studied, uh, you know, in the school all my life, same school, and then uh, to then engineering, uh, three years engineering. It's still, like, I'm 22 years old. I never still have one single Jewish friend. Until I heard about Tech to Peace uh, as an advertisement on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And it said... Come, Palestinians and Israelis learn tech together and dialogue with each other uh, over a two-week-long seminar. And I understood I really needed to understand what is called the other side <laughs> in my city. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I want to get a job, if I want to live in this country, I need to understand, to communicate. And uh, I applied for that program. You know, going for a peace program can be uh, something challenging for uh, for a Palestinian, you don't know what's going to happen there. Is it going to be normalization? Mm-hmm. Um, th- there could be some judgment on you. Sure. But still, I took the risk and I went there. And uh, in that program, it was the first opportunity ever for me to dialogue with uh, with Israelis, Jews, um, and, and not have a conflict. <laughs> yeah. We had, you know... Uh, Mis- uh, what do we call it? Uh, things that we don't agree on, but we found a lot of things that we agree on. Mm-hmm. And from there, we started building the relationships. And uh, after that Tech to Peace seminar, I joined 20 other peace building <laughs> yeah. programs and dialogue <laughs> programs that led me to become a peace activist. So I guess then you, you started to pick up Hebrew there, or they were conducted in English? The uh, no, the program was in English. And most of oh. these dialogue programs are in English. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, I learned on my own the Hebrew. Got it. So, so what exactly does Tech for Peace do? So you said it works to help teach tech skills, correct? Yeah, I'll tell you how a day in Tech to Peace looks like. Sure. Every day for three hours, you learn something in technology like programming, web design, illustrator skills. And every day for three hours, you dialogue with a facilitate there are facilitators. Mm-hmm. And you talk about the easy things and the hard things. You talk about the culture, the religion, the politics, the identities. And it's really interesting to see uh, the different identities uh, in, in, in that region between the river and the sea. Among the Palestinians, there are so many identities. Among the Israelis, there's sure. a lot of identities. And it's not just black or white, and that's what I learned mm-hmm. uh, at Tech to Peace. Yeah, so I guess your, your, um, maybe your preconceived notions going in, your ideas of what maybe their opinions were, were different from mm-hmm. once you actually started having, mm-hmm. fr- having dialogues. Yes, yes. Uh, I shared a lot of personal stories mm-hmm. and narratives from my personal experience, and I heard a lot of others' uh, narratives, which opened really my mind. Was there was there something in particular that stands out from those dialogues that? Um, I'm trying to think of an example right now. Yeah. Uh, a lot of things. Um, for example, I can talk about the Arab who lives in Israel and identified himself as a Palestinian Israeli for me. And that was shocking for me. How come you're Palestinian and Israeli at the same time? (laughs) (laughs) You can be either this or that. (laughs) Tell me more about this. And then he explained to me his life narrative and how 
he was born and raised in Israel as an Israeli citizen mm-hmm. and had Israeli education. It's a big part of him. And but at the same time, he's coming from a Palestinian family. He speaks Palestinian Arabic uh, tongue and uh, eats Palestinian food, <laughs> make Palestinian yeah. jokes. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, for example, interesting. Uh-huh. So, so for those that don't know who may not be from Jerusalem, uh, maybe they, they don't live even in Israel at all. So explain how that works. So you, so you said this guy, for example, he was an Israeli citizen growing up with a Palestinian identity mm-hmm. and also an Israeli citizen. But um, I, so I, I have a, a bunch of um, Palestinian friends and I, I speak to them about it this a lot. And most of them actually aren't citizens. Actually, I think none in of them Jerusalem, are. In Jerusalem, yes. Most are not citizens. So, so how, does that, how does that play out practically? Um, Obviously, there's perks that come with citizenship, you know, yeah, yeah, talk about, say, a, a passport, for example. But in terms of <clears throat> business, life, so on and so forth, how, do, how does that really play out? Mm, mm. I was about to talk about the citizenship, but you moved me to the business. Okay. Well, you can talk about the citizen first. Uh, yeah, a few <laughs> words about the citizenship. Yeah. Um, so the Palestinians in East Jerusalem, especially, mm-hmm. 95% of them just have Israeli ID mm-hmm. and they don't have Israeli citizenship or passport. This means they can only vote for the Jerusalem municipality and they cannot vote for the Jerusalem, uh, for the Israeli Knesset. Sure. Yeah. Um, now about the business. One second. Um... I myself, I registered my company in the States. Okay. Um, I, th- I I don't know. I think I can register it in Israel. I need to check. Mm-hmm. I still didn't find the big incentive for it. Um, yeah, I don't have a lot to say on that. I still don't know. If, okay. if I get Israeli citizenship, what incentives come with it? Mm-hmm. Well, so then I guess to go back from the citizen side, is that the, is that the biggest... Um, the difference is the voting. Would you say that's the biggest uh, difference that you see? Besides si- societal. Um, the, I, the having Israeli ID and not having Israeli citizenship? Yeah. Other than the voting? Yeah. Um, traveling. Traveling, sure. Uh, for sure. I need a visa to enter any other country I travel to. Okay. If I'm using the Israeli travel document, mm-hmm. which I'm given. Um, I, I have... Yeah, uh, I'll keep it. I can talk more political about this and <laughs> how I'm frustrated by this and how hard is it to take the Israeli citizenship. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want me to, <laughs> but y- y- you're not you're not currently a citizen, right? I'm uh, actually in the process. Uh, in the process, okay. Well, so then, so when you you mentioned that you studied in the states, so you had to then get like a specific visa that allowed you to do that. Y- uh, yeah, I needed a student visa to go to the states. Mm-hmm. What did you do in the states? I studied. Yeah, you did like a semester exchange. You did uh, a, d- a couple degree. of semesters. Okay. Yeah. Where were you? In North Virginia. Okay. Uh, community college and George Mason. Nice. And how how is that? With a little bit of a culture shock, or? Um, I wouldn't say big culture shock. I was watching American movies all my life. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was expecting this. I wanted this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was lovely. Uh-huh. Um, open world. You see people from all over the world. You see, I, there I spoke English and I knew how to communicate with everyone. Uh-huh. In here in Jerusalem, where I uh, where I am born, uh-huh. I needed to speak Hebrew so I can, uh, you know, communicate with everyone. And mm-hmm. I feel I felt some disconnection even in my country here. Yeah. You see. So so your background. So your family's been um, in this area for a while, or. 
My family born and raised in the old city of Jerusalem. Yeah. And where where the, where you mentioned is that where you grew up? That was also in the old city. Shafat. It's a neighborhood uh, next to the French Hill. Okay. And so your father runs a shop. So entrepreneurship, I guess, runs in your blood. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's where, where it's coming from. I mean, did, I mean, did you always think growing up that you would go the path that you are today and starting your own company? or? Uh, my father wanted me to be a doctor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> As do I. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, I love the technology. I had an uncle who works in technology, mm-hmm. and he inspired me to go that direction as well. Um, yeah, my father wasn't resistant to the technology. He also felt that it's a good path to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the goal was to work in a high-tech company. Okay. Uh, so everything I was doing is to get into a high-tech company. But during the university, I have been exposed to a lot of entrepreneurship programs, incubators opened my mind and uh, I, I felt the the leadership in me and the risk taking that I'm I'm happy doing it and I'm willing to do it yeah and yeah I, I took that path and luckily it's working well so far with me there have, there have been a lot of uh, pitfalls but yeah that's part of the journey but I'm enjoying it yeah. I don't think entrepreneurship is for everyone it needs a really resilient patient person to do it sure and uh, I think I'm that person, and I enjoy the journey. That's most important thing. And this is your first company, right? First company that got actual investment. Oh, you got you Yeah, got I had th- three, four initiatives before that. Okay. Some of them received just pocket money. Okay. Um, but this is the one that received uh, a pre-seed investment. Amazing. Nice. That's really cool. Thank you. Wow. Uh, so I guess so I guess on that so is was that was that was recent that you got the investment or when you first and started building it two years and a half ago so you're in the process of now raising more money or seeing uh, yeah now I'm actually focusing on getting more trainers on my platform uh-huh. and then yeah I'll focus on fundraising cool so so you mentioned so you work tech for peace and what was the other organization that you said you're um, uh, uh, the peace tech forum <laughs> peace tech forum so what is that it's like an umbrella for uh, the peace and tech and entrepreneurship organizations in Israel-Palestine. Okay. The ones that focus on giving a tech or entrepreneurship skill aligned with a dialogue mm. experience. Um, I think it's very important to have this uh, forum for those organizations to exchange knowledge, learn from each other and work with each other um, so we don't reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we can grow bigger, faster, better. We need it so much. Also, during this current government, I'm afraid that this current government would close some peace-building organizations or mm-hmm. dialogue programs, um, and that's why we need to stand together. So, have you seen? I mean, you've now been you've now been doing it for a while now. Have you seen that there's been progress that's been made? Um, we only had one meeting a month ago. The second meeting is on the first of February, uh-huh. and I cannot wait for it. Nice. <laughs> um, but so, but with with Tech for Peace, though, there you've seen that there's progress. Tech for Peace has been rolling for five years, mm-hmm. and yes, huge progress has been happening. Doubling the seminars every year, the, the alumni, mm-hmm. um, and they have a community. And ninety percent, almost ninety percent of the alumni of Tech to Peace program feel strong connection to the community of Tech to Peace, and they come at least once, twice, three times a week, uh, not a week, sorry, <laughs> a year. Uh, 
detect peace programs. So is that that's like the KPI, the measure of success? Mm. You think? Or? Yeah, yeah, there's, there's a couple of them. Okay. So something that um, so I so I also work so I do the work with uh, Made in JLM and I also uh, write at the Jerusalem Post, and so so when I first started writing, I was focusing on different sectors. So I wrote about. Um, the ultra orthodox in in tech. I wrote about the woman, and so I sought out to do a uh, report on Arabs in tech, Palestinians in tech, and what I found was I kept running into to um, barriers. So there's companies that are working, employing um, Arabs, Palestinians in tech, but they didn't really want to talk about that work. A lot of Palestinians that I spoke to didn't want to talk about their initiatives. So where do you th- and you, you? I think you touched on it a bit. Before you said when you were first getting into this, you know, you yeah, were the fear of joining a peace program or a dialogue program or, uh, you know, a program between Palestinian and an Israeli. So, the, so where did where did where does that where does that fear really come from? OK, I'll explain this. Um, Palestinians are afraid of um, normalization, mm-hmm. which means making things normal with Israelis. I tell you why this is concerning for me. Mm-hmm. Palestinian society doesn't have p- military, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the way they're trying to call for their rights, fight for their freedom, is through the international community, calling for support from the international community. Right. And um, if they didn't look oppressed in front of the international community, if things looked normal between Palestinians and Israelis, then who would care to come and support Palestinians hmm. and stand for their cause? Um, this is the challenge here. Um, uh, also, we heard about the pink washing, uh, sugar coating uh, methods that uh, some Israelis use to justify the occupation. They say, look, we're the best country that brings uh, Palestinians and Israelis for peace building, but the Palestinians, they don't want the peace. And and Palestinians are afraid of this mm-hmm. because they want the peace, mm-hmm. but they don't want to, you know, be used mm-hmm. f- for someone else's in, uh, incentive. And this is the challenge. Uh, also, there's society judgment that mm-hmm. you're with the, you know, with the enemies uh, that you're with. In Jerusalem, it's less. In the West Bank, it's more. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the challenge. But I think collaboration working with each other, learning with each other is very important. This is the only way we can move forward. Um, I know boycotting divestments and sanctions is one way Mm -hmm. to fight Israel back non-violently. I respect the concept, but I don't think doing it here and locally is something that is moving us forward because we Palestinians and Israelis rely a lot on each other. We live on the same place. It's hard to boycott each other. We both believe uh, in our uh, connection to this land and I think we need to dialogue. So this is the way we move forward. Yes, you think that that's the way to break this kind of stalemate where it's mm-hmm. only by having conversations are we going to you know, stop this? Because I mean, that, that's, a, that's a really frustrating idea that you know, while you want to break out of um, kind of like a cyclical cycle of, in many cases, poverty or like um, oppression, but by doing it, you said it, you know, then the international organizations are going to say, well, then mm-hmm. if, if you're working together. So that I, mean, I, I could see how that could be a really 
find a, you know tightrope to walk mm-hmm. it's hard i can understand the palestinians uh, mm-hmm. who live this and especially the ones who live under double the pressure in the west bank mm-hmm. and don't have uh, don't have security right yeah cuz they they have they don't have like they can't freely enter uh, yeah um, they are i would say occupied by israel <laughs> and by the palestinian uh, authority <laughs> they don't have their full freedom of speech and uh, and the it's not it's not the safest place to be and do whatever you want and say whatever you want so ca- p- do people in the west bank do they participate in these initiatives that you're part of or they're not really able to uh many many join mm-hmm. yes some are proud about it and public mm-hmm. some are afraid uh, going publicly about it mm-hmm. but they are proud of it mm-hmm. like i said 90% of the participants come back to join these uh, programs right right yeah i mean you see like uh, you know you see the instagram pages with the dialogue and they'll always blur out a lot of the palestinian faces often mm-hmm. so i guess that's part of the ju- y- yeah 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 because they ask uh, not to be seen publicly it's not safe for them and they have a lot of courage joining these programs mm-hmm. and i respect that i i was one of that <laughs> right <laughs> one yeah i'm one of it um, but then i gained the courage more and more sure whereas today you're very open about it uh, definitely mm-hmm. yeah activist for so i mean so do you think that that pressure is more coming from the people or from the government both both the government doesn't protect the people if they've been attacked for such a thing by like pa- attacked by other Palestinians, you're saying? Yes, if mm-hmm. I'm talking about the Palestinians in the West Bank, mm-hmm. um, yeah, mm. it's hard. Depends case by case. It's different, right? Also. Yeah. So I, I guess that also explains, which was another question I want to ask, but I, I guess it goes hand in hand. Is there's from what I've heard of some of the Israeli companies that work prominently um, in East Jerusalem and the West Bank is they also have a trouble finding employees to come work you know they're high paying great jobs mm. but i guess it goes the from same the way west bank? from the west bank yeah um I, I know i know few companies that work with uh, people from the west bank and gaza mm-hmm. like nvidia melanox mm-hmm. um, i think microsoft and others and they're working with them, especially uh, uh, Asal Technologies, if you heard about it. It's an outsourcing company in Rawabi City in the West Bank. Okay. And uh, they have more than 100 employees that is working with, uh, yeah, teams in Israel. And they're like, they're freelance. Outsourcing. Yeah, freelance outsourcing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, the, but, but those teams don't come together cross-collaborating in person. Um, some of them. Some of them, they get permits to meet in person. Sure. Yeah. So, so what would you say is the biggest challenge to the activism activism that you do? Mm. Um, it's it's not supported by either government, in Israelis or Palestinians, mm-hmm. and we always seek the support from the international, uh, Switzerland, Germany, America, mm-hmm. and that's sad. Yeah. Um yeah the we have to be very sensitive regarding the normalization issues mm. we need to be careful on not taking sides when doing dialogue mm-hmm. and not bringing our personal beliefs 
and just make the people share their uh, idea uh, narratives with each other without being biased to any. Yeah. And uh, we need to secure our organizations and our members, mm-hmm. alumni. And uh, these are the challenges. Yeah, so, uh, so on, the, on the previous episode um, uh, where you were sitting was the Deputy Mayor Fleur. Um, she was here. She was here, yeah, on oh. the last episode, and, so, and she and she spoke a little bit about the initi- initiatives that she's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, she mentioned that the current mayor is opening up a tech park in Ramallah, not in Ramallah, um, in uh, uh, s- somewhere in East Jerusalem. I forget, I forget where. The, where the Joes, the Silicon yeah, yeah, Wadi si- project. Yeah, the Silicon yeah. Wadi. Yeah. Um, what d- what do you know about that? Uh, I I saw the presentation for it by mm-hmm. the mayor himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important that we have a Silicon Wadi, high tech offices in East Jerusalem, uh-huh. for sure, and bring those international companies. Um, and the location where the shows sounds interesting because it's the uh, center kind of. But I wish it happens w- with having. Um, I'm gonna try to find the right word to use it, the compensation, the right compensation with the locals who live there. Mm-hmm. You know, the East Jerusalemites suffer from having the destro- their houses destroyed. And and I wish there's good compensation where it's a win-win for the people in Wadi Joes and for the government, uh, the mayor, mm-hmm. uh, the municipality. <laughs> yeah. So, but has the project, from what you know, been received well by the residents in East Jerusalem? Or? Um, I think the most have same, like my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yes, we need technology. Mm-hmm and those offices but at the same time don't destroy someone's house sure uh, to do it or kick him out or evict him make sure that there's both agreement for on this uh oh so you're you're talking more on the construction side yes okay so they have they started it's construction? A sensitive issue in yeah so yeah. Ha- have they started construction or uh they haven't started yet no okay yeah things take a long time construction wise <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, uh you know, it's 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 really such a fascinating. You know, I I only moved here uh, about six and a half months ago, and you know, you, you could read a lot, but it's it's much different being here, speaking to people firsthand, and really, um, you know, lear- learning about. Because I mean, it's it's not it's not so simple. It's not mm-hmm. uh, it's it's not something that could be explained in a four hundred word news piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, people's lives, people's futures. Um, Mm-hmm. So, so, but you believe, though, I guess your your whole thesis is that the best way to drive forward peace is not just with dialogue, but through tech and through business, through collaboration that way? Yeah. Education, working with each other, learning each other's language, mm-hmm. more dialogue, meeting each other face to face, not just hearing about each other from the news. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then uh, you'll understand that there's a partner out there and not an enemy. Sure. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing with any. You know, I, I always said that. You know, the, the easiest cure to racism is just having someone sit down with someone. Because you sit down with them, you know, realize they're, they're just a person like you. They have every they have the same, you know, different issues. They they go to the bathroom. They do all these different things. You know, they have a family to care about. They have. And I think I, I think you're right. I think that is really the most important thing is getting people face to face, dialoguing mm-hmm. and seeing that mm-hmm. it's not just it, it's, it's a real human being. Yes, it's not just black or white, like how the media sometimes uh, shows it to us. Yeah, it's unfortunate <laughs> that oh. that's like uh, 
that, that's how that's how thing that how things are going. Mm-hmm. So so you live now. So you don't live in East Jerusalem now. You mentioned you live in Talbia. Yes. So that's a beautiful area, by the way. It's a beautiful area. It's between the east and the west. Next to the YMCA, I chose to live next to the YMCA. Okay. Because it's carved on the stone there. That it's a place that doesn't have any political or religious jealousness. And mm. I love being there. Yeah, that is a classic. We, we're actually looking to maybe do something there. Um, <laughs> having conversations. Yeah, I mean, that's like, for those that, you know, who are listening, Talbia is like really one of the most beautiful areas. Mm. Definitely in Jerusalem, maybe the country. I mean, just you feel like you're walking through history when you when you walk through there yeah so what what are, what are some of your favorite places to go um bars <laughs> restaurants jerusalem? cafes in your area in jerusalem i love Miskika, where we are right now yeah it's a great place <laughs> it's also bringing a lot of diversity uh-huh. um other places the ymca my favorite the notre dame Okay. You know, go on the roof of the Notre Dame. I heard they have a, a great amazing. rooftop bar. If you want to take your girlfriend on a on a date, go to the Notre Dame wine and cheese. Yeah. Really <laughs> 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 um, the Newgate. There's Abu Sir Sweets at the Newgate. This is all not paid, by the way, advertisements. <laughs> <laughs> people are mentioning. I just love them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Abu Sir Sweets at the Newgate. <laughs> Yeah. So w- w- would you say that Jerusalem's like really central to your identity? Is this where you f- see yourself staying for the long run or mm-hmm. you want to live elsewhere? Yeah, yeah. I'm very proud Jerusalemite. I love Jerusalem despite its all challenges. <laughs> um it's the center of my life location-wise and and my goal is to be rich enough uh, to travel the world. Live a few months in Los Angeles, a few months in Singapore, <laughs> once in Tokyo, but I know that my center is Jerusalem. Yeah, that's really nice. Mm. So if you had to, if you had to pick, like, w- what is your favorite Jerusalem-specific food? Um, um, I'm hungry right now. I, f- I hear my belly. Have <laughs> 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 <They're not> breakfast. <laughs> um, my mom's food, mm-hmm. I think, is my favorite. She makes great stuffed zucchini. Okay. And stuffed what at the wali? Ala geffen. How do you say in English? Ala uh, geffen. The grape, like grape leaves. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. My mom does it the best. I think this is my favorite. Nice. Okay. Yeah. They. That's like. Um, I guess in like dolma. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Dolma. <laughs> that's. Uh, I think that's the the Farsi like the Persian word for it. Y- yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, that's re- that's really cool. So, what I guess, what's your what's your real? Ho- are you are you ho- optimistic, hopeful for the future? Um, yes, I am. If I'm not, then I wouldn't have been doing what I'm doing. Sure. I'm optimistic. I have changed. I have a lot of friends who changed uh, to a better situation, to a more understanding place. And if that happened, then mm-hmm. more people can change. Mm-hmm. I look at Haifa. I look at Jaffa, I look at some neighborhoods in Jerusalem, French Hill, Talbia, mm. um, around the Newgate. There is some good collaboration there and some uh, model that I hope we can expand to the rest of the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, lat, lat, shwai, shwai. Inshallah. Yeah, inshallah. <laughs> yeah no, nothing, nothing happens overnight, is the truth. Um, yes. But no, I mean, it takes courageous work. It takes strong work. And it sounds like that's what you're doing, what you've dedicated yourself to. Mm-hmm. Well, so for, for those that want to, you know, 
learn more about your work, learn about what you do? How, what's the best way to, what, what would be your recommendation? Yeah, I think everyone in Jerusalem should join a dialogue program, mm-hmm. whether it's with tech to peace or art to peace or basketball to peace or whatever it is. You, people here need to hear the other narratives and learn each other language. I wish more schools in West Jerusalem learn Arabic, more schools in East Jerusalem learn Hebrew. Mm-hmm. I know my friend Gilad, who founded Madrasa, he deserves uh, an applaud for what he's doing, um, teaching Arabic you know, to, to Hebrew speakers mm-hmm. online and making it for free, available for everyone. We need more of this. Um, and we need more forums. There, there are 170 peace organization that works b- between Israel and Palestine. And th- they need to work more together, have more forums like the Peace Tech Forum. I wish there's environmental forum mm-hmm. uh, and medical peace forum. And we need them to work more with each other. I think we need to allocate more funding for that. Um, yeah. That's what I have for now. If you need more, I can write you a list when I get <laughs> back home, and I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Hopefully, inshallah. You know, that's that that's yeah, that that's what needs to be because you know not everyone's intact. Yeah. Also, yeah. one more thing. I Please. think we need more East Jerusalemite representatives in the in the municipality as well. In the government. In the government. Mm-hmm. In the government. In the Israeli government and in the Jerusalem municipality. Uh huh. Are they running? I I thought I think I, I saw that someone's yesterday running. Yesterday, yeah. On the Jerusalem post, there was. Yeah. Uh, Walid Abutai running. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need more. But for the most part, th- they're not taking. And I guess that, again, goes all the way back to the fear of normalization. Yes. Yes. But the only way we move forward is through learning, working, understanding each other. 100%. Well, really, thank you for the work that you do. And uh, thank I you mean, so much. really a pleasure to have you sitting down and. Uh, talking about your work. Really, really awesome. Thanks, Troy. You yeah. had great questions as well. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right, cheers. Cheers.